Good morning. How's everybody doing? If you don't know who I am, that's probably a good thing. I'm Ryan. I'm the student pastor here at Spring Valley. And I am quite honored to be able to stand before you today and share a message of grace and encouragement to you. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about an old passage, an Old Testament passage of the story of Jonah, which I'm sure that if you were brought up in the church or maybe not even been to church, you probably have heard the story of Jonah before. But the thing about what I like to do is when I teach uh, at anything, and when I study on my own time, I like to break the passages up and really dig a little deeper because God has meanings within these passages. That's why it's the living word, and God can teach us through stories that we've heard over and over and over again. And so what I want to do is use the story of Jonah, verses 1 through 10. So if you have your Bibles, it's chapter 1, easy to remember, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, and we're going to break it up and really see what God has planned for me and what really God has planned for you today. I'll say this, when I was studying this passage and, and when I've known of this passage when I was a kid, I used to always think uh, of Jonah as being a bad character. I would never really think about what he did, to t- the good things of what he did, but for some reason my mind always went to the negative things of what he did. And so when I was reading this passage knowing that's what I was going to teach, I kind of had to humble myself because a lot of times when we teach, God works in us too. So I had to humble myself and realize that maybe I don't have it all together. And maybe, maybe, I'm not perfect. And so if you're with me today, maybe you'll agree with me on those things. And we can really look at this passage and try to understand what God is trying to teach us as individuals and ultimately what God is teaching us to be an audacious church who carries his message of grace to the world that needs it. Because let's face it, the world needs it. And let's face it, we need it. And so let's start by looking at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. All right, stop right there. See, if you just read over that, you might miss a lot of things that God might already be setting you up for for the rest of the passage because just in those two verses, we have a lot of history. Uh, We have God really setting the tone for the whole book of Jonah. And so what I want to do is go over it real quick. We have One thing that we need to know is that Jonah, who is Jonah? Well, God specifically ordained Jonah to carry a message, but it's not just to Nineveh. See, Jonah is a prophet who God uses for many different people to bring the words of God to people. In this case, he's using Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. We can also assume already out of this passage that this is not the first time Jonah has heard from God. We can assume that Jonah has been in contact with God, has has studied with God, so has heard from God through his prayers of what to do in previous circumstances. So the first thing what I want to highlight to you today and for me today is that if we are not in tune with God, if we're not constantly in prayer with God, if we're not constantly sitting down, spending time with God, then we might miss God's voice. And we might miss something that God has planned through two people through us. And so in these two verses, there's a lot of meat that we might have already missed. If, we're not, if we don't recognize God's voice, then we won't hear God's voice. And if we don't hear God's voice, we won't see the calling that God has for each of our lives. The next thing we see is that God sent Jonah to a place, a place called Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, if you didn't know this, is a metropolis of the Assyrian monarchy. The also, Nineveh was a big, it was a huge city. It was different literature gives you different things, but it's about 45 miles in diameter. So back then, this is a big place. 
And also, this has a lot of inhabitants. A lot of people live there from the wealthy, from the wealthy all the way to slaves or peasants. A lot of people lived in Nineveh. Also, we can know that because we know about the city of Nineveh, that it was a wealthy city. So a lot of trade, uh, a lot of importing and exporting came out of the city of Nineveh. And it also had a king who was a rich and wealthy king. But we also know this about Nineveh from the context is that it was a city without the knowledge and worship of the true God. And so we see that God sent Jonah to Nineveh for a couple of reasons. First, because it was probably worshiping many different gods, not the true God. But also because within that worship of other gods, they might have started doing these certain sins that God got angry about. And so what Jonah had to do was go to the city of Nineveh because it was about to be destroyed because of their wickedness. And in a lot of ways, the city of Nineveh kind of relates to the world that we live in today. And so God sent Jonah to Nineveh. But there's also interesting something about, interesting about God's actually sending Jonah. See, back in that day, a lot of times God would use many different prophets to carry his message. But what they would do is usually write it and send it through mail or donkey or whatever they did it. Or they would share it with other people to go and send to other people. So what's interesting about this is that God specifically sent Jonah himself in person to go to the city of Nineveh. See, not a lot of times did God make the prophets travel. Nevertheless, did they ever make them travel very far? And so it's interesting that God sent him. And for me, I believe that he sent him because he wanted the ur- people to understand the urgency of Nineveh, the sin of Nineveh. And I think that's the same for you and I today is that God has an urgency within us to personally go out and share the gospel with people that need it. Not just by messages, not just by inviting them to church, but personally with our words, expressing and sharing the grace that God has in our lives to them. God had an urgency for Nineveh. God has an urgency for our city, for our town, and for our world. So that's kind of some background of this. So now let's look at Jonah we get into the story a little bit, and again, we're going to break it down into some really cool truths and facts about this story that you might not have seen if you just read over it. So he says, go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse three, but Jonah. So if you see but Jonah or but whatever in the passage, you probably know that he didn't do what God told him to do. Sometimes the but is a good thing because God's about to hit you with something cool. But in this circumstance, we see that but Jonah really means he messed up. So, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to, for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I want to know this, right? Jonah is a prophet who's heard from God before, studied his words or the, the, the Old Testament that he had. What makes him think that he could flee from the Lord? The guy up there. We're like, Jonah, what are you doing, man? But then if you look in your life, how many times have you fleed from the Lord? How many times in my life have I fleed from the Lord? See, when Jonah actually got to the ship, he's on the ship, he's headed to the place where he wants to be. And so Jonah probably thought, man, I'm good to go. I outran God. He's going to use somebody else because I said, no, I'm good. He said, nah, I'm good. Get it? But he said, nah, I'm good. I'm safe. He thought he had outrun God. And if you look at it, I think you and I are a lot like Jonah than we'd really like to admit. Because when we say no to God, we think it's over. We think he'll use somebody else. Don't worry, he's a big guy, he'll figure it out. 
You know, he'll get someone else to do what he wanted me to do. And so Jonah thought it was done. And sometimes I think in our life, when we say no to God, we think it's over. We don't have to worry about it anymore. He's off my back. But God, while we are still in our sin, shows persistence and pursues us. And a lot of time corrects us in our bad mistakes. That's mercy of God. Even when we don't want it, God pursues us and he helps us figure it out. See, Jonah thought he got away. We think we get away. But our heavenly father who knows best for us doesn't go away. So God pursues. How does God pursue? Let's look in in verse four. Then God sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. See, God pursued Jonah by bringing a storm, but we got to remember that that storm was not meant to harm Jonah nor the people on the boat. What the storm was meant to do is show the power and authority that God had on the sea and to fetch Jonah out of his disobedience and put him back on track to the duty that God laid out for him. I wonder this, have you ever been in a storm that your sin has caused? Has God ever placed something in your life that's trying to get you out of your disobedience and put you back on track to what God really wanted for your life? Sometimes we can look at Jonah and say, wow, you're such a bad man, but then relate it to our life and understand, I'm just like Jonah. I've done the same thing Jonah did. But not only did Jonah's sin bring him off track, but we see in the text that it also started bringing the people aboard the ship off track. See, they started throwing their cargo off into the sea, the cargo that they were taking to the port, either to get money for, or maybe they were transporting it because someone already bought it. But Jonah, because he sinned, brought a big storm. And so they're like, let's just start throwing everything off so the ship will get a lot lighter. But not only did they do that, but the text also tells us that they started worshiping their own God. Sometimes in our disobedience, it causes the people around us to be disobedient. And sometimes when God calls us to do something and we say no, it influences people around us. And our sin leads to other people's sin. And then it starts to make us do crazy things like show, throw our cargo off or mess up something or be rude to a friend or be rude to a coworker or turn people off from God. See, that's what Jonah did. But has God ever placed a storm in your life? And if he has, there's two ways that we can look at this. First, we can look at it as God is mean and he won't leave me alone and he's only trying to hurt me. Or we can look at it the other way and we can recognize that when we see the mercy of God showing in us, we can, he, we can see his power being displayed in our life. And we can understand that this storm is not meant to hurt us, but it is meant to show us what God really wanted in our life. And it's called to call us home when we've gone astray, just like Jonah. See, I think we're a little more like Jonah than we like to admit. It says in the end of verse five that Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell asleep. I think if you're honest with yourself, I think you'll admit that a lot of us have gone below deck and have fallen asleep. I think we can admit that we pushed off the duty that God has given us and try to run away from it. I think we think that sometimes that someone else will take this duty so I don't have to do it. If I just run from God, if I just tell God no, he'll find someone else to replace it. 
But we see that God had a specific plan for Jonah, nobody else but Jonah. And God actively pursued him out of his disobedience because God had a plan for Jonah. My question is, what is God's plan for you? Who has God placed in your life that he wants you specifically to talk to? Is it a family member? Is it a friend? Is it a schoolmate? Is it a coworker? Who has God placed in your life that he wants you specifically to talk to? And how many times have we started to run from God thinking someone will figure it out? Sometimes it's just up to us. But if we really want to make this country better, if we really want to make your family better, if we really want to make our school better and our neighborhoods better and our job better, then we have got to stop running and we've got to start telling. We've got to start sharing the grace of God and stop running away from it. I shared this with our students or asked our students when we were at Somersault a couple weeks ago. I said, how many students do you want to come next year to Somersault? And a lot of them said 75, 85, whatever. Well, each week they have a limit of about 600 students. And so I said, what if we had 600 students just from our church? So we had a whole week of Somersault dedicated just to us. And a lot of them got their eyes big. A lot of them got excited about it. But you could tell that a lot of them were just like, there's no way we could ever get 600 students here. And so I said, if that's your thought process, if you really think that we can never get 600 students here, then you and I are not on the same page. And so I bring the same thing to you. If you look around you, look at all the empty pews. If you really think that we can't fill this service and next service and have five different services filled with people who want to stand the message of God, who want to learn from God, who want to carry that message out into the world, then you and I are not on the same page. God has specifically placed us in this church, us in this community to carry his message out into the world. And if we aren't going to do it, then who is going to do it? Because that's why we are here. And if you don't think this church can be filled, then we're not on the same page. And we've got to have someone wake us up because we've gone below deck and we have fallen asleep. And so we see that Jonah is just asleep and this big storm's going on. God's trying to show him, trying to pursue him back. And so now, because Jonah fallen asleep, God has to correct Jonah. So look at verse 6. Jonah went below deck where he lay down and fallen asleep. Verse 6, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. See, this is the beginning of the turning point for Jonah. He's about to start realizing what he did and he's about to start coming back, if you will, to Jesus. But what I, what I think is interesting about this is that sometimes God has to send somebody or something to us to wake us up. What I think is also interesting is that Jonah was sent by God to a great city that has fallen wickedness and needed to be wakened up. But before he did that, God had to send someone to him to wake him up. So my question is for you, who or what has been placed in your life to wake you up? For Jonah, it was the captain or it was the shipmaster. I think for Peter in the New Testament, it was the crow who, who crowed three times. Remember that when he denied Christ? That was who woke him up. A lot of times for me, it's Shelly because I have to be woken up a lot. So who or what is in your life that's going to wake you up? Because again, God has a specific plan for you and a specific message through you to carry the gospel into the world. But if we're not, a, if we're not awake, if we're still sleeping, then somebody has to wake us up. Maybe it's a youth pastor who is given the opportunity to preach. I don't know. But who has God placed in your life to wake you up? 
So then we see that Jonah had to be woken up. And so the guys, we're about to read in chapter, uh, we'll, let's read it now and we'll go back through it. So he said, get up, how can you call on your God? Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Verse seven, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Anybody know what casting lots is? I had to look it up because that's weird. It's basically like flipping a coin. He did it. You know what I'm saying? He's like, whoa, it was Jonah. Okay, cool. So it's Jonah. God probably made that happen too. Verse eight, so they asked him. Now, these are the questions that Jonah had to be asked to start realizing. He said, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble? The people said, what did you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And so I think when Jonah starts getting all these questions, he started realizing, wait a second. Yeah, who am I? What am I doing? What got me here? And so before this point, I think Jonah forgot something. And if you're honest with yourself, I think a lot of us have forgotten the same thing. See, Jonah forgot who God really is. He diminished God to just a voice, just a person, just an afterthought that he can't see. So since he can't see him, he really can be held accountable for what he does or doesn't do. And I think if you're really honest with yourself, you would admit that that's the same way with me and it's the same way with you when we think about Jesus. He's just a guy who died a long time ago. I can't see him. Sometimes I don't feel him. So therefore, he won't hold me accountable for the things that I do. And so Jonah lost sight of all that. So my question for you is that we see that Jonah finally realizes this in verse nine. He said, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and of the land. My question is, do you really know who God is? Do you really know who you worship? Do you really know what God did for you through Jesus? Because if you don't, we got to figure this out. We have this interesting passage that Paul wrote in Colossians. It's not on the screen. I'm just going to ask you to listen along with me. But it really shows the power and authority that God gave to Jesus. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've never heard the gospel before. Or maybe you've been in church so long that you might have fallen asleep to who Jesus really is. And so luckily we have smart people like Paul who really displays this incredible passage of the authority and not only the authority, but what Jesus did, not only what he did, but what that means for you and I. And so what I'm reading out of is Colossians 1, and I'm going to read verses 15 through 22. But here's what I ask. It's not on the screen. And I did that on purpose because I want you to really listen to these words. I don't want you to be distracted by having to read them, but I just want you to listen to what God has done for us through, the, through his son, Jesus. Starting at verse 15 in chapter 1 of Colossians. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead so that everything he might have supremacy for God. God has pleased, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself through all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and your enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now... 
He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Do you really understand who you are worshiping today? It is not just some guy who died. It is a guy who died for you so you could be presented to God as holy without blemish. Do you get that? And I think if you really got that, then you would take this message out of this church today and share it with whoever will listen. That means all of our sins from the time we were born, even before we were born, from your parents and your grandparents' sins, every sin that has ever happened does not matter because you were presented to God, the God on the throne, the creator of the universe, as holy and without blemish. That is incredible. You want to know why God pursued Jonah? Because Jesus died on the cross for him. You want to know why God daily pursues you? Because Jesus died on the cross for you. You want to know why we can celebrate with God one day in heaven? Because Jesus died on the cross for you. This is the message of grace and peace. Jonah lost sight of that. I think some of us have lost sight of that. If together we want this church to be audacious, if we want it to thrive, if we want to make an impact on this world, then we must submit to the calling that God has placed on every one of us. We have to carry this message of grace and peace to the world. We just, we have to. So Jonah came to the realization of who God was and he knew he couldn't run from God anymore. And so the rest of the passage isn't on the screen, but I'm going to close as we get into it. It says that in verse uh, 15 and 16, that he, Jonah, once he, came, he finally came to this realization that he can't run from God, he told, just throw me over. Talk about being audacious. Just throw me into the sea. I'll be all right. It's crazy. And it said immediately when he was thrown into the sea, the sea grew calm. Then if you're following with me in verse 16, it says, once it grew calm, the men on the ship started worshiping the Lord and made vows to God. In Jonah's disobedience, they started worshiping other gods. In Jonah's obedience, they started worshiping the God. And then in verse 17, we see that when Jonah's in the ocean, the Lord provided, not just random, God provided a fish so he didn't have to drown. He stayed in it for three days and for three nights. And then fast forward into chapter three of verse one, Jonah again was told by God to go to the city of Nineveh and preach. And this time he listened. And what is interesting that in, verses, in chapter 3 of verse 10, when we see the effect of Jonah's obedience, it's that the whole city understood this message of grace and peace and turned from their sin. And now the city of Nineveh is worshiping the Lord and, and God found grace and showed mercy to them. So the city is not being destructed. So what I want to say to you, and I'll wrap up with this, is that isn't it amazing that when we follow God in our obedience, what he can do to an entire city Wouldn't it be amazing that if we as a congregation, as a church, as the church went to the world and followed the obedience of God and the city came to know Christ? If that's too big for you, then you and I aren't on the same page. The students are with it. We're growing. Children are with it. They're growing. Adults, we need you. We need the example. God can do incredible things through this church and through us as individuals. But we have to be obedient to God's calling and understand the power and authority that Jesus has given us to share this message of grace and peace. The whole city of Nineveh was changed because of what Jonah did when he decided to follow God. 
The city of Columbia can be changed if we follow in God's in the footsteps of obedience and start carrying this message of grace and peace. The question I have for you is this. Are you willing to make an impact on the city? Are you willing to be obedient to God's call and proclaim his name? Today I know, I, can, I recognize this, that maybe you've never accepted that call uh, to even accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I wonder this. Today maybe uh, you've never done that. And maybe you find yourself like Jonah, continually running away from God, running away from joy, running away from peace, running away from the grace that God wants to extend to you. If you want to know just a little bit more about that, I would love to talk to you. If you want to know some more information about this guy named Jesus who died for us all, then come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you. Or maybe you're the other way. Maybe you accepted God's grace and you've accepted him into your life but you still find yourself like Jonah running away and God has strategically placed a storm in your life to wake you up. Wouldn't it be cool if we saw parents grabbing their kids and coming to the altar and dedicating their lives to sharing the gospel through their family? I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to get rid of this storm in your life by accepting the obedience that God called you to do and share this message of grace and peace to the world. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful to come before you today. We're grateful to hear words that you have given us Father, although sometimes we, won't want to, we don't want to do it, but Father, we're grateful that you have called us to be people who carry your message into the world. Father, we thank you that you don't just call us to sit in pews and listen to what you have to say, but you call us to go out into the world and understand your authority and understand the power that you have and share it with other people. And so, Father, today I pray that that is exactly what we will do, that we won't be able to get into our cars to go home without just saying, thank you, God. And we won't be able to sit at the table for lunch without at least extending the hand of grace and mercy that you've given us to the person that is serving us. So, Father, I also pray maybe there's someone in this room who has never been able to fully accept you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that you'll give them the courage and boldness to make that step today. And maybe there's some storms going on that we've caused from our own sin. We thank you for pursuing us. And so, Father, we come forward today to get these off our back and follow you in obedience. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. It's in his name I pray. Amen.